MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, June 30th, 2023. Today, Jack Smith is not finished with the documents investigation. The Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action. Three people have been charged in the Trump Truth Social merger. The former Ohio Republican speaker has been sentenced to 20 years in prison. Judge Kaplan denies Trump's motion to dismiss and his motion to amend his reply to include absolute immunity in the E. Jean Carroll case. And President Biden gives $3 billion to homeless initiatives. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. We do have a happy hour for patrons for the Daily Beans. Today, it's going to be at 4 p.m. Pacific, and that's 7 p.m. Eastern. Pete and I will also be recording at some point today the bonus episode for Clean Up on Aisle 45 patrons. You don't want to miss it. He gets pretty sweary. Although in this yes. week's episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45, he went off quite a bit. So you, if you haven't listened to this week's uh, public episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45, it came out a couple days ago. Check it out. You don't want to miss it. Also, remember Jack Smith's motion to get a protective order on the unclassified discovery in the documents case. Yes. And how he said that the protective order was needed. One of the reasons it was needed was because the information he was sending over could harm ongoing investigations. And uh, how I said it didn't appear as though the documents probe was over. Well, New York Times reported today that Jack Smith has sent out a new round of subpoenas in the documents case. Lovely. So that shit is still happening. Still going on and uh, still going on in Miami. We will uh, keep you posted. And of course, we'll cover this and the potential implications on the Jack podcast this weekend with me and Andy McCabe. And Trump filed a motion for summary judgment in the E. Jean Carroll case, Carroll won. And that got denied by Judge Kaplan. And he wanted to amend his reply to the lawsuit saying, I have absolute immunity as president. <laughs> and he was denied for that, too. So... Just keep losing, losing, losing. He's just, he can't stop. It's a beautiful thing. Not one yeah. day of peace for the rest of his life. Nope. It's just going to get worse from here on out. And uh, of course, we have a lot of news to get to uh, besides those things. So why don't we do that? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, from NBC, the Supreme Court on Thursday struck down affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and Harvard in a major victory for conservative activists, let's just put it bluntly, that ends systemic consideration of race in the admissions process. The court ruled that both programs violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and are therefore unlawful. The vote was six to three in the UNC case and six to two in the Harvard case, in which liberal Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson was recused. The decision was hailed by prominent conservatives who say the Constitution should be quote-unquote colorblind, with former President Donald Trump calling the ruling a great day for America. Liberals, however, and everybody else, condemn the ruling, saying affirmative action is a key tool for remedying historic race discrimination. And I'm going to quote here former First Lady Michelle Obama. 
Quote, it wasn't perfect, but there's no doubt that it helped to offer new ladders of opportunity for those who, throughout our history, have too often been denied a chance to show how fast they can climb. President Joe Biden called the decision a severe disappointment, adding that his administration will provide guidance on how colleges can maintain diversity without violating this ruling. The court effectively overturned the 2003 ruling, Grutter-Bollinger, in which the court said race could be considered as a factor in the admissions process because universities had a compelling interest in maintaining diverse campuses. In doing so, the court scrapped decades of precedent, as they are wont to do, including one ruling dating to 1978 that upheld a limited consideration of race in university admissions as a way to combat historic discrimination against black people and other minorities. The ruling exposed stark divisions among the justices who sit in a court that is more diverse than it's ever been. But Jackson, the first black woman to serve on the court, wrote in an amazing dissent that the ruling was truly a tragedy for us all. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, another liberal and the first Hispanic justice, wrote that the court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. Sotomayor, in a sign of her displeasure, read a lengthy summary of her dissenting opinion in the courtroom. While Thomas read his opinion from the bench, Jackson stared straight ahead, appeared visibly angry. The ruling is another example of the court, which has a 6-3 conservative majority, delivering on the long-held goals of conservative legal activists. It follows in the wake of the seismic ruling in 2022 that overturned Roe, and as we know, the landmark 1973 decision that guaranteed right to abortion. The court's decision is a major blow to the most selective universities that say some consideration of race is vital in ensuring they have diverse student bodies. Ketanji Brown-Jackson pulled no punches when criticizing her conservative counterparts, and she didn't hide her rage that the court, which has a 6-3 conservative majority, believed the University of North Carolina's affirmative action admissions policies were unconstitutional under the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause to use a Reconstruction Amendment to benefit white people. Quote, our country has never been so colorblind. Given the lengthy history of state-sponsored race-based preferences in America, to say that anyone is now victimized if a college considers whether that legacy of discrimination has unequally advantaged its applicants fails to acknowledge the well-documented intergenerational transmission of inequality that still plagues our citizenry. She went on to say, this is the part that gave me chills, and I'm quoting Justice Jackson, quote, with let them eat cake obliviousness. Today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured into interfering with the crucial work that UNC and other institutions of higher learning are doing to solve America's real-world problems. I also uh, recommend, aside from reading her dissent, And by the way, she just said, I dissent. She didn't say, I respectfully dissent. I also recommend everyone read Ellie Mastal's piece about this in The Nation today. You know, it's interesting when I think about uh, Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, and this isn't the first time because he did it with this whole uh, Dobbs decision to revisit Obergefell. He seems to pull the ladder up right behind him when he's benefited or he knows that people uh, like him have benefited from such things that have been in law for a long time, whether it's affirmative action or Loving versus Virginia, you know, when he said, I'm going to re- visit Obergefell, he didn't say anything about Loving, uh, which is was mentioned 19 times in the Obergefell decision. And it's just this guy that he keeps lifting up the ladder behind him when he's at the top. And it's kind of gross. It's pretty gross. Yeah. And I think something that's a good point that Ellie brought up today on Twitter, Ellie Mistal. By the way, if you haven't read Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution, you need to read that. We did a series on it, too, on the Mueller She Wrote Book Club. But 
he he brought up a great point because Biden was like, look, President Biden was like, look, the way the only way we can get around this is for you to write about your disadvantages and things you've had to overcome, including racism in your uh, college admissions essays. And I mean, that's the only workaround we have right now. Um, and he's going to, you know, the president and his administration are going to work on more. But Ali Mistal brought up a great point that now people of color have to take time out of their college admissions essays to explain racism. Yeah. Instead of instead of just applying for the school. And and that is and to use the 14th Amendment to do it is. Man, I, I just I can't even I don't have the words. That's why I'm, that's why I encourage everybody to read Ellie Mistal's piece in the nation. Yeah. And not I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, but also like the bias, the internal bias we have that we don't realize even with people's names. Let's say that these applications, you know, they're going in there and they can only see names, but they're they're equal when it comes to merit. We have these internal biases that we are not even aware of. And it's just, it's really unfortunate because that still plays into so much racism that runs through the country and people don't even realize they're doing it. No. Yeah, it's so true. All right. This is from Julie Smith at the Associated Press. Former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder was sentenced to 20 years in prison on Thursday for his role in the largest corruption scandal in that state's history. Now, 64-year-old Republican, he appeared before U.S. District Judge Timothy Black, who handed out the punishment about an hour after he and his wife, Tondra, arrived at the federal courthouse. Householder had pleaded for mercy ahead of the sentencing, not on behalf of himself, but of his wife of 40 years, his sons, and friends. His son Nathan and other friends and family were present in the courtroom. Black instead delivered a blistering rebuke, accusing Householder of abusing voters' trust. He said, you were a bully with a lust for power who thought he was better than everyone else. Ooh. Now, Householder, yeah, Householder also received one year of probation and showed little emotion before being let out of the courtroom in handcuffs as he was remanded into the custody of U.S. Marshals. Householder and lobbyist Matt Borges, if that's how Matt says his last name, probably Borges, a former chair of the Ohio Republican Party, they were both convicted in April of a single racketeering charge each after a six weeks trial. Now, Borges is set to be sentenced on Friday. Jurors found that Householder orchestrated and Borges participated in a $60 million bribery scheme secretly funded by Akron-based First Energy Corp. to secure Householder's power, elect his allies, pass legislation containing a $1 billion bailout for two aging nuclear plants owned by a First Energy affiliate, and then to use a dirty tricks campaign to stifle a ballot effort to overturn the bill. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Federal prosecutors had recommended Householder receive 16 to 20 years holding in a sentencing memo that he, and I quote, acted as the quintessential mob boss, directing the criminal enterprise from the shadows and using his casket carriers to execute the scheme. That strategy, they said, gave Householder plausible deniability. Hmm. Yeah, his own attorneys had recommended just 12 to 18 months <laughs> reporting to the judge that he is a broken man who has been humiliated and disgraced by the ordeal of his widely reported arrest, high-profile prosecution, and seven-week trial by jury. Householder was one of the Ohio's most powerful politicians, a historically twice-elected speaker before his indictment. After Householder's arrest in July of 2020, the Republican-controlled House ousted him from his leadership post, but he refused to resign for nearly a year on grounds he was innocent until proven guilty. 
Well, apparently now he's <laughs> proven quite guilty. Then a bipartisan vote, representatives ultimately ousted him from the chamber in 2021. And the first such expulsion in Ohio, that was the first one in over 150 years. Now, all told, five people in a dark money group have been charged so far for their roles in the scheme, and federal investigations remains ongoing. So more people are going down for this. Now, I just want to point out, these are federal charges. These two guys were hit each with one RICO charge. That's how overarching the federal RICO statute is. And I just want to bring that up because if Donald Trump's January 6th scheme to hold on to power and disrupt the peaceful transfer is found to be a RICO charge and this guy got 20 years. I know. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. And from Egan and Scannell at CNN Business, federal prosecutors arrested three investors on Thursday on insider trading charges related to a deal to take former President Donald Trump's media business public. According to the indictment, the three individuals together made more than $22 million in October of 2021 by illegally trading on non-public knowledge of Digital World Acquisition Corporation's secret plan to buy truth social owner Trump Media and Technology Group. Oops. The defendants allegedly tipped off friends and colleagues who purchased securities in Digital World before the blank check firm's Trump Media deal became public. That's fucking illegal. We've talked about it a million times. And, you know, every time I, I bring up Trump shouting in all caps on True Social, I like to remind everybody that that's under federal investigation. <laughs> uh, we're starting to see some indictments. Once the deal was announced, the value of those securities spiked. The defendants and individuals they tipped off then sold their securities for a significant profit, according to prosecutors. Pump and dump. The three men charged in this indictment are Michael Schwarzman, Gerald Schwarzman, and Bruce Gerlich who served as director on Digital World's Board of Directors. All three have surrendered to authorities and are expected to appear in federal court in Miami later Thursday. Oh, Miami. Huh. What else is going on in Miami in the federal courthouse? <laughs> <laughs> the Securities and Exchange Commission also filed civil insider trading charges against the three of them. They're, so the SEC charged them, too. There's no allegation that Trump had any involvement at all in their alleged insider trading. Trump media did not respond to a request for comment. However, the new charges... Add to the controversy surrounding the Trump deal, which has raised eyebrows from legal experts and drawn scrutiny from regulators and prosecutors. Now, this is still being investigated in the Southern District of New York. I just want to bring that to your attention. Lovely. This is Miami, but there's still some other things happening over in New York. Nearly two years after being announced, the merger has yet to be completed. And last month, the Nasdaq Stock Exchange threatened to delist Digital World because it hadn't filed its quarterly report. Uh, the indictments say that the defendants passed on Digital World's confidential information to friends on a trip to Vegas to Michael Schwartzman's neighbors and to Gerald Schwartzman's employees at a furniture supply store. Altogether, those contacts pushed tens of thousands of securities ahead of the merger announcement. Whew. According to the indictment, the three defendants were invited to invest in Digital World, as well as another special purpose acquisition company, an SPAC. After signing non-disclosure agreements, prosecutors say they were provided confidential information that Trump Media was a potential target of the SPACs. Gerlich was given a seat on Digital World's board of directors, giving him further insight into the SPAC's confidential merger plans with Trump Media. Prosecutors say Gerlich provided to his co-conspirators what he described as intelligence about the Trump merger negotiations and the timing of a public merger announcement. So he wasn't even trying to be like winking a nod. He's like, hey, 
I have some intelligence, insider information you can trade on. <laughs> Want to do some insider trading? Like, it, fuck. Just saying the quiet parts out loud. <laughs> In violation of the non-disclosure agreements they signed, the defendants bought millions of dollars of digital world securities on the open market and shared the inside information with other associates who also purchased securities before the merger was made public. Digital World Share skyrocketed following the Trump media merger news as investors saw it as a way to bet on the fortunes of the former president. Quote, rather than adhere to his duty as an insider, we allege Gerlich, together with the Schwarzmans, monetized the information to generate over $20 million in illicit profits. That's Gerbeer Graywall, director of the SEC's Division of Enforcement, in a statement. This case demonstrates the SEC's ongoing commitment to exposing insider trading wherever it occurs, including in SPAC mergers. Thank you so much, AG. And this is from Sam Fossum at CNN. It seems the Biden administration announced new actions Thursday to help prevent and reduce veteran homelessness across the country, including $3.1 billion in funding to support efforts to quickly rehouse homeless Americans. And this is a quote from the story. These funds can be used for a wide range of critical interventions from rental assistance to supportive services to technology and data sharing. That's from the White House domestic policy advisor, Neera Tandon, referring to the funding that will be made available through the Department of Housing and Urban Development under the Continuum of Care program. Additional actions been announced Thursday. That's according to a White House fact sheet, and that includes $11.5 million in funding for legal services for veterans experiencing homelessness, $58 million worth of funding to help homeless veterans find jobs, and a new series of boot camps by HUD and Veterans Affairs to help the VA medical centers and public housing agencies more quickly rehouse veterans. Now, the more than $3 billion in funding being announced by HUD is not specifically earmarked for veterans, although it will also go toward helping veterans struggling with homelessness. That's according to senior administration officials. And another quote, we like to say here that the phrase homeless veteran should not exist in the English language. Ending veteran homelessness has been and continues to be a top priority of the president and his relentless advocacy for that goal has led to a very important investments and advancements, including robust funding. This is from Veteran Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough, who added that the VA is currently on track to meet its goal of rehousing 38,000 veterans in 2023. That's fantastic. Now, the VA put 40,000, about 40,400 homeless veterans into permanent housing last year, with about 2,500 of them returning to homelessness at some point that same year. And that's according to the VA. While Thursday's actions focus on the issue of homelessness for veterans, administration officials hope that progress made in housing former service members will help improve efforts to tackle the issue for all Americans experiencing homelessness. And this is another quote. Homelessness is a challenge we face as a nation, but most importantly, it is a solvable one. That's from Tandon. He told reporters, adding, there are so many lessons there that can help us tackle this problem for all Americans. Well, the $58 million in grant funding comes at the Department of Labor Veterans Employment and Training Services and will help veterans learn occupational skills, participate in on-the-job training or apprenticeships, and provide other support services to reintegrate into the workforce. Now, the $11.5 million in legal services grants is a first of its kind. That's according to the White House, and that's going to help veterans obtain representation in landlord-tenant disputes as well as assist with other court proceedings like child support, custody, or estate planning. McDonough continued with, legal support can be the difference between becoming homeless in the first instance or having a safe and stable house and a roof over their heads. 
Now, President Joe Biden has made it a goal of his administration to reduce homelessness by 25 percent for all Americans by 2025, calling on the country in his State of the Union address this year to do more, including, and I quote, helping veterans afford their rent because no one should be homeless in this country, especially not those who served it. Yeah. And this is some great continuation of the work he did as vice president under Obama when they halved, they halved veteran homelessness. That's huge. During his uh, eight years as President Obama. And uh, of course, that all stopped in the Trump administration. And now it's now it's back on. And, uh, you know, I was working at the VA at the time. We would literally physically go out to Skid Row. I was in L.A. We would physically go out to Skid Row and look for homeless veterans and then help them with, you know, bring them into legal representatives or people at the VFW to help them because the paperwork is such a pain in the ass to get your house, housing vouchers and, and all that stuff. And, and it, it's just an on-the-ground operation. And so this money is going to make a huge difference it's for amazing. homelessness across the country. All right. Thanks for that. We have a lot of good news to get to. But first, we have to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. Each night, I slip into my Helix mattress. It feels like a floating inside a softy cloudy on comfort. That's my, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. You know, I love sleep. My restless nights are long gone. Now it's just me, my perfect mattress, some kitty cats, and a realm of tranquil dreams. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute online sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. The Helix family is a treasure trove of sleep solutions with 20 diverse mattresses, including the critically acclaimed Lux collection, models suited to the big and tall, and even ones for kids. Most recently, Helix released their top-notch Elite collection. Pooling years of profound mattress wisdom, they've crafted a sleep experience that ascends to new heights. We all sleep differently. Helix knows that, so they design different models for every position and mattress feel. I sleep on my side, and I like a medium-firm mattress, so I was matched with the Helix Midnight, and I love it. It's head and shoulders the best mattress I've ever slept on. Uh, you can find out which mattress is perfect for you by taking the two-minute Helix sleep quiz. After that, there's free delivery to your doorstep, a 10 to 15-year warranty, and you get to keep it in your home for 100 nights to decide if it's the right one for you. I'm absolutely positive you're going to love your mattress as much as I love mine. And right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, shout out to a local business in your area, shout out to a loved one, shout out to your own business. What are you making? What are you creating? What are you doing? I want to know about it. If you have a Whoopi story, we just got it. We had a good one yesterday that was so adorable with the Lammy. Uh, if you, let's see, uh, adoptable pet in your area, if you don't have pod pet tax to pay, uh, send us your frog orgies, your baby pictures, whatever you want to send us, do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right. First up from E. Cowgill, pronouns she and her. Hello, bringers of justice and joy. I'm submitting for consideration the amazing work of my friend, Margie Vecchio who just launched a Kickstarter to fundraise for her upcoming film, Girl Island, The Sandy Stone Story. It's about the life of the multi-talented trans studies pioneer, Jimi Hendrix's audio engineer, academic and media theorist, and artist, Sandy Stone. 
I thought you and Dana might love the opportunity to get the word out on this ambitious project. We will have a link, Mrs. Uh, Ms. Uh, I don't even know, E. Cowgill, E, <laughs> whatever E stands <laughs> for. We'll have a link to that project in the show notes. Thank you so much for giving a shout out to your friend. What an incredible, incredible project. So Sandy Stone, let's see, trans studies pioneer, Jimi Hendrix's audio engineer, academic, media theorist, and artist. Wow. I, yeah. can, I, want, I can't wait to see this. I know. It should be a phenomenal film, actually. Yeah. Let me take a... Well, I don't know. I'll just start reading. Tell me when we take another one. All right. Yeah, you take a couple. (laughs) This is from Anna. Pronouns she and her. Dear Beanies, I think you need a category. Cat tops. Here's our Oliver demonstrating her take. Looking forward to seeing more. (laughs) Instead of laptops, cat tops. Oh, very cute. Yep, sitting right on there. All right. This is from Marcy in New Mexico. What up, Marcy? In New Mexico, pronouns she and her. Greetings, Leguminati. I get news from a lot of sources, but start every day with the Daily Beans. You must always have an interesting take on story or put it in a greater context. I also love when Dana talks about New Mexico, as it's been my home for over 32 years. We live in north of Santa Fe. We live north of Santa Fe. My son attended Hummingbird Music Camp as well. I'm telling you. Thousands and thousands of people are connected through Hummingbird Music Camp that I've never met. It's unbelievable. He started as a weekly camper, same, playing oboe, not the same, when he was 10 and attended every summer, usually for two consecutive weeks until he was old enough to be a counselor. He still considers it one of the best times of his life. As Pod Pet Tax, here's my photo submission for cats on electronic stuff. It's not a laptop, but here's our void kitty, Little Miss, apparently using my spouse's charging iPhone as a butt warmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. Well, I mean, you know, she That's fits. That's funny. She fits, she sits. I wonder if she's charging. Hmm. Love it. That's adorable. Yeah. Computer towers, iPhones, anything that heats up, any electronics that heat up, you're going to get a cat butt on it. I guarantee. All right. Next up from Call Me Len, pronouns he and him. Wagner, Wagner, hello, bearers of the beans. I had to laugh this morning when the subject turned to the question is it Wagner or Wagner? Because it reminded me of this. In 1933, my mother wrote in her diary, quote, there is no future for us Jewish youth in Germany. And in spring of 1934, when she was 21, she left Frankfurt and came on her own to Chicago. She soon met my father, who was twice her age and was involved in local politics, a noted after-dinner speaker. She had studied English at home, but really worked to perfect it so she could help out at political gatherings, and so he would be proud of her. As family legend has it, At one such event, she proudly announced, I speak English very, very well. Very (laughs) well. That's what she said. Very well, indeed. I was so fortunate to have been raised by this beautiful, strong, confident woman who faced difficulties I can only imagine and never looked back. Photo attached. It was so wonderful to meet so many powerful young voices on the Daily Beans. Uh, Keep doing what you do. I cannot start my day without you, no matter how you pronounce it. Oh, so good. Gorgeous. Amazing photo. Oh, it really is. Hmm. All right. This is from Cindy. Pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. This is a combination good news shout out to a loved one. A long time ago, my husband's grandfather, Army General James Lynch, wrote a book about his experiences in World War II, starting with him retiring under protest due to aging out of his grade on December 6, 1941. Oh, wow. Yeah. He he was December 6, 1941? Like that particular day. Okay. (laughs) He was recalled to active duty very shortly after Pearl Harbor, then served as one of the officers running the 64th Fighter Squadron in Africa and Italy. 
All of his grandkids wanted Papa's book to get published, and it contained a lot of great material, but it was handwritten in all caps, had a lot of run-on sentences, and all the accompanying pictures he had, uh, his own and some he had confiscated as the unit's censor, uh, they were lost. Enter my husband, Greg. He edited the content and made it readable, researched and confirmed sources, and when the pictures and other artifacts were found in an old mismarked box, incorporated them. He did an extensive amount of hard work to turn it into a publishable book, including finding a publisher, Casemate, who specializes in military history. And here's going to cut to the chase. The Black Scorpions by General James A. Lynch and Gregory Lynch Jr. is available for pre-order now in hardcover and Kindle editions is delivery on Friday, June 30th. This is awesome. I'm so proud of him and so happy that his perseverance and talent enabled him and his whole family's dream come true. It's a series of really interesting and some jaw-dropping stories. Totally fascinating read, regardless of whether you're a World War II aficionado or not. I've attached a copy of the cover. Now, as if that weren't enough, my amazing husband, who's not only a terrific writer, but also an independent film director, who, with two outstanding documentaries to his credit, they're called The Last Captain and Stroh, the Michael D. Asaro story, is also the sweetest man on the planet and just adopted two shelter dogs with me, of course. Lily is a two-year-old Alaskan husky corgi mix who was abandoned by her original people. And Aoife, it's an Irish name, is a Siberian husky, possibly a mix. Don't know what else she might have in her, and we haven't done the DNA thing. Now, Aoife is 11 months old and never had a family before. Uh, She was taken to the shelter when she was a baby, and we're the first to adopt her. Can't imagine why. Thanks so much for the Daily Beans. We're both big fans, especially of the swearing. Fuck yeah. Also, DG, uh, winter Netflix special. You know what? I would love everyone to email <laughs> Netflix and Cindy and say, why hasn't Dana Goldberg had a special yet? Yes. I, everybody pause. Yes. Everybody pause. <laughs> Send Netflix a note. Yes, please. We want to see you perform, but unless you've got a gig scheduled somewhere close to where we live near Yosemite National Park, we're kind of out of luck because Aoife, Lily... Our other dog, 14-year-old Aussie Maeve, and our eight formerly feral cats, and one currently feral, and we're trying to socialize and capture to TNR, make it difficult to travel. Cindy, I can understand why. Okay, look at these doggos. Oh, they're beautiful. And the black scorpions. Great cover for this book. Fantastic. I'm so happy. That's so cool. What a cool story. I just thought about that too. I have a letter, I have a box of about 150, 200 letters that my mom and dad wrote back and forth to each other. Um, During Vietnam, I was like, "Ah, that's a big project. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm so proud that you guys tackled it. All right, next up from MB, pronouns she and her, sitting here listening to the June 28th, 2023 Good News, talking about going to see The Cure, encouraging people to go see shows. I'm over here planning my day around going to see The Cure tonight. In Atlanta. Nice. A friend of mine asked me to go with her last Friday, so this is fresh excitement. My good news is I have the wherewithal to say yes to lots of shows in 2023. I hit the heiress tour in April. Three of my favorite women and I are counting down the days to Beyonce in August. Nice. Madonna in September with my circa second grade bestie, which is particularly special because we haven't seen each other in a decade. Those are the household names, but I live in Athens, Georgia, and I'll hit up shows in between. Yeah, Athens, That that's... I, pretty sure like rem came out of that area like a lot of college radios a lot of cool alternative stuff down in athens the pandemic and its after effects remain tough on our music scene and those who populate it but it soldiers on 
AthFest, our annual musical festival with mostly local acts, occurred last week, the first post-pandemic one, and the best I've attended. Uh, This is true, despite Elf Power's set getting cut short and the bad ends cut completely because the weather got super sketch. Alas, better safe than sorry. Since they got robbed of their main stage duties, potentially making new fans, maybe the Luguminati would want to go find their records and give them a listen. Everybody wins. Pet Dax is Susie, our rescue we adopted a year and a half ago. She's about eight years old. She's a fine candidate for what the mutt, though we haven't found out what she is. So your guesses are as good as mine. During those years of the former guy's presidency, I would listen to your show on our morning walks and anxiously await the good news segment. It felt necessary and it was a bright light during a dark time. Thank you for that. Okay, look. Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> okay, so... Our guesses are as good as theirs. I think um, there's some chihuahua in there. Look at those ears and some pity. Yeah. Little boxer face, maybe. Little, little staffy. Some and just child, angel. You know. There's some sweetness. Also, there maybe a little shepherd beagle in there. Little shagle. Just beautiful dog. Yep. Thank you, everybody. What a great way to wrap up the week. Uh, again, we've got a happy hour at 4 p.m. Pacific time today. We'll be chilling out for about an hour. It's just me. No Pete. No Andy. Sorry. Only me. Only you. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. And of course, this weekend we'll have the cleanup bonus for patrons, the beans weekly wrap up for patrons. And don't miss Jack on Sunday. There's so much news. It's, it's bonkers. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend, Dana? Nope. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. Be safe. Yes. Be safe. Rest well. It's going to be a long holiday weekend, but we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. 
I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.